Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Talking Business, a podcast produced in Melbourne, Australia. The podcast is available on the ACAST site, my own website, the Apple Podcast Store, or wherever you go to get your podcasts. Or you can get it at the Business Acumen website at www.businessacumen.biz or at Banking Day. This week's Talking Business is brought to you by multi-award-winning law firm McDonald Legal, experts in the areas of dispute resolution in commercial and property law. For the most exclusive access to leading economists and business leaders from around the world, subscribe to Talking Business from my website, leongetler.com. I am Leon Gettler. My job is to review and monitor the week's news in business, finance and economics. I bring it all to you every week. This is episode number two in our series for 2023, and today's date is Friday, February the 10th. First, I'll be talking to Peter Kikinis, the Vice President and Managing Director of online learning platform Udemy APEC. And I'll be talking to Comsec Chief Economist Craig James about what's ahead in the market. But now let's talk to Peter Kikinis. Well, Peter, tell us about Udemy launching in Melbourne. We have. Really, really exciting. We, uh, yeah, we recently announced that uh, Melbourne is the regional hub for, for Udemy uh, in Australia. Australia and New Zealand is a, a really important market for us. Um, and a central business hub in Australia will allow us to sort of support the continued expansion of our business across the region. So, um, yeah, we've seen we've seen some some significant growth. Last year, we reached a milestone in Australia of a one millionth learner, which which was great. That's accessing the Udemy Learning Solutions, and uh, a local workforce has grown ten times since two thousand and nineteen. So, you know, it's 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 obvious to us that you know that there's some significant opportunities for us to grow, and there's there's great talent in the Australian marketplace that we can leverage. Well, tell us about Udemy. I mean, how does it work? You work, you reach out for online, for, for learning for corporates and you do it online. Is that right? Yeah. So we, it starts, so just to give you a quick example, it starts with um, uh, the, uh, the core of our business, which is uh, the Udemy marketplace. So it's the world's largest online learning and skills marketplace. Give you some stats, 74,000 subject matter experts, instructors, 213,000 courses, 57 million users. It's Think of it, it's like the Amazon.com for learning. There's nothing like it anywhere else in the world. Um, you can learn anything from baking bread to playing guitar to a leadership course to you know, um, advanced data sciences, if you like. We have people all over the world that use it to skill up their in their careers. So that's the, the B2C model. We also have a B2B model called Udemy Business. And essentially what that means is we, we take the, 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 the best of the best of the content in the marketplace, about 3% of the content, we curate that content down to sort of business relevant topics. We then wrap that those topics up in, a, in an enterprise grade platform, a SaaS platform, and we provide that to anyone from large enterprise organizations down to, to, to SMBs, where they're able to then deliver that learning 
curate that learning, make that learning available to, to their staff anywhere in the world. So what lessons do you provide for the corporate world? Yeah, so, I mean, look, it's really varied depending on the organisation. But what we're seeing today more than anything else is this idea of digital transformation. We're seeing companies that are pivoting um, towards leveraging technology to, to change the way they do business. And I'll give you an example of that. Um, we have a, a large banking customer here who, as you can imagine, traditionally have, uh, you know, have been focused on, on banking products and training their people in banking, uh, t- uh, banking areas. But um, in re- recent times, they've seen a real shift in their workforce where today more than half their workforce are deemed to be tech workforce. So they're focused on cloud technologies and security technologies, data science, you name it today. I mean, anything for business skills and power skills uh, and leadership skills. So there really is a diverse requirement for learning across businesses in Australia and all over the world. And Udemy has the probably the, the most diverse platform uh, and uh, available content available for them. And you have your clients uh, outfits like Australia Post, is that right? Yeah, uh, um, yeah, we do. We have a we have a number of enterprise, you know, large organisations with really diverse workforces. We're seeing the demand for learning go up, you know, more and more in these in these organisations. Specifically in recent times, as you can imagine, after the pandemic, everybody went home, um, and not all of them have come back. So the ability to be able to to train people face-to-face has sort of left and organisations are now trying to pivot and they're leveraging technologies like ours to allow them to um, to, um, to, to skill and reskill and upskill their, their staff. Um, so, yes, Australia Post, amongst others, uh, are leveraging this technology significantly for us. So, and do you have a workforce of how many? In, in globally? Um, it's a good question. Globally, I'm not really sure, Leon. Sorry, I can get back to you on those. Well, 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 in Australia, what's your question? Yeah, yeah. So, I think we've got well over 50 people in Australia and continuing to grow. So, um, yeah, exciting. Uh, we've, we've grown over that uh, over the last couple of years. So what's, so, what's driving this growth? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's... It's a number of factors, but I can give you some examples. There's unprecedented challenges facing businesses. There's definitely a war on talent. I'm not sure if you've heard that that expression before, but it's certainly something that we hear a lot, and it's putting significant pressure on organisations. Let me give you a quick example. So Seek, their job advertisements were up 40% in the last two years. So that's the highest in the the 23-year history of them collecting that data. And 49% of those candidates who accepted jobs in 2021 had at least three other offers to consider. So supply uh, demand is out gripping supply, as you can see. So it, it, that's part of the part of the issue. Uh, the other bit is we're hearing about the Great Resignation. Ten percent of Australian workforce, uh, the Australian workforce, changed jobs in in February 2022, which is amazing. And 38 percent of Australians want to leave their their current employer. And pay, well-being, and job mobility are probably the the the, the the top drivers for that. So you're not going to be able to hire your way out of this problem. People are leaving organisations and jobs for new jobs. It's finding it hard to find the skills that you need to upskill your workforce. And realistically, realistically now, they're, they're leaning on organisations like us to be able to help them upskill and reskill the employees they have today to give them a chance to be able to be competitive in the market. So, I mean, as we move into 2023, where do you see the big trends for 2023? Yeah, I think it's going to continue along the path. Technology and and that digital transformation is still going to be something that's significant. But we're also seeing real uh, upticks in trends around uh, well-being as well. 
Um, organizations are, you know, are, are really worried about high potentials burning out. About 86% of high potentials are at risk of burning out. So they're going to be focusing in areas around well-being. But technology will continue to be a, a driving force for us and the need for organizations to be able to transform their businesses. And, and then, you know, you start, we're starting to see a real uptick in even tech people leveraging power skills and business skills and, and looking for ways to be able to be more efficient and do more with less. So I think we'll see those trends continue. Where do you see uh, Udemy Australia happening? Where do you see it developing? How do you see it developing into 2023? Yeah, look, we've, we've got a we've got a great group of individuals on the ground, as as you know. Um, we're investing in in this hub. You know, I think it's just a matter of being able to continue to support our existing customer base um, and, and helping them find ways to continue to leverage our product. I think that's going to be really important. There's plenty of upside opportunity for us as a business there, but also for our customers to help leverage all of the new content that we'll bring. Uh, the new solutions that we can bring along the way. So yeah, that that'll be that'll be the the focus for us. And that you know, we although we have a hub here in Melbourne, we also do look beyond uh, the the Australian and New Zealand shores into into Asia as well. So there's opportunity for us to continue to grow in those areas. And that obviously, we've got language in different languages that we're um, we're growing as well. Um, so yeah, there's there's certainly areas of opportunity for growth there. So so you see this Udemy hub. In Australia, New Zealand, expanding into Asia. Yeah, we've already got some. We've already got uh, people that are focused on growing our, our customers in Asia and working with them. So we have a, a harbour here that will continue to support our customers in in Singapore and Malaysia and and the Philippines and all over India and, as well. So yeah, because because we can get access to some really great talent in this part of the world, we've created this hub that not only support the Australia New Zealand market but also will expand out to continue to support the Asian market as well. So the Asian market could potentially really take off quite strongly. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously the the, the size of the population, the, the the amount of people that are there, and the opportunities for growth, and we're seeing significant growth in that part of the world as well. That's not to say that that we've been ignoring that, um, but yeah, we've sort of built a foundation of great talent here that'll enable us to springboard into supporting more customers and growing more customers in that region as well. Do you see adding extra stuff to the Udemy learning platforms? Yeah, yeah, we'll continue to invest for sure. Uh, you know, as we grow, we've, we've we've seen that trend over the last three and a half years, and you know, I anticipate we'll continue to do that um, as uh, as uh, as we continue to grow our, our base across the region. So yeah, I'm I'm excited about that opportunity. How much of that I don't know yet. We've obviously we're moving into uncertain times, right? As you as you can imagine, Leon. So you know, we'll continue to 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 make prudent decisions about growth but yeah right now we're growing as a business which is great but you're absolutely committed to to growing down this going down this direction and growing through asia new zealand and into asia yeah yeah we are absolutely it's it's uh you know we we put the hub here in in, in asia pacific as we see a significant opportunity for us to to expand our business in this part of the world the, the model that we have allows us to 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 access content in different languages I and mean, we have Bahasa content available now. We have Korean content, Japanese content, and um, we'll continue to expand that 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 uh, those languages as well, which will open up more and more markets for us as we go. Do you see any sort of potential for uh, to to develop uh, language to develop it in other directions or anything like that with what you're offering? What example? Have you got an example in? in oh, I mean, I mean, well, okay, okay. Well, it's all it's all tech and cloud driven, all that that sort of stuff. Do you see it sort of moving into other areas as well, or is that where the demand is? Yeah, no, there's the demand. There's a look. There's a significant amount. That is the demand at the moment. Businesses are really struggling to keep pace with the technology and change. They need to reskill and upskill their people um, in those areas. But there is absolutely demand, especially in areas around leadership and leadership development as well. We, we acquired a company called Corp U recently, which is a cohort-based learning solution, allowing 
organizations to take their senior executives and deliver learning programs collectively together. So there's a real demand for that and that'll continue to grow. And I touched on it before, the areas around personal development, power skills, and, and, and well-being uh, are areas of focus uh, for us. Uh, the other area um, that's been interesting in, in, in uh, you know, our customers are coming back to us talk, asking about sustainability. Uh, that's another big topic for lots of organizations, whether it being manufacturing or, or even banking sustainability and, you know, tech sustainability as well. So those topic areas, I think, are going to continue to grow. And, you know, our library is able to, our, our um, instructors are able to keep pace with um, with building content in those areas. I think it will give us a, a really good advantage. Well, it certainly uh, is an advantage, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Peter, thank you very much for your time. Hey, thank you, Leon. I really appreciate it. And now let's talk to Comsec Chief Economist, Craig James. Well, Craig, the market has started off well for the year. Uh, what's your view about developments for the market for the week starting February the 13th? Well, it's quite interesting, uh, Leon, you, when you have a look at uh, the, the coming week, and it's basically you know, sort of a, only a spattering of statistics. We've got something called the Household Spending Indicator. That's for the month of December and that uses uh, bank credit card and debit card data. So that's something coming out from, from the Bureau of Statistics uh, coming out on Tuesday, Tuesday the 14th. Also uh, on Tuesday, weekly consumer confidence index, something that we get each and every week. And in terms of the economic data, yes, which has got a little bit more interest in value, uh, the overseas arrivals and departures figures coming out on, on Thursday. That's really important for, for the uh, travel sector, what's coming through. What we're seeing at the moment is more Australians going overseas than those people coming here. So uh, that you know, sort of certainly has implications for our retail sector if that continues to occur. The spending power going leaving Australia and going overseas and we're not getting enough replaced in terms of overseas arrivals. Of course, what, what we're going to see in coming uh, months is more Chinese coming to, to Australia, and that will certainly boost the, the order of uh, spending. But what we've got in terms of those figures for overseas arrivals and departures is the December readings, but also the flash January results. And, of course, we're all interested on the, the latest information rather than you know, something which is a little bit you know, older. At the moment, arrivals are around about 1.27 million. The, the peak level is around about 2.3 million, so well below that peak. Same in terms of departures. 1.5 million is uh, the figure for departures at the moment. We're looking for something closer to 2 million. So a little bit more recovery. So in terms of uh, travel-related stocks and uh, transport stocks, that's certainly something to watch out for. But the biggie this week will be the employment figures. We had you know, the first fall in five months with the employment during the month of uh, December. You know, so down in the order of almost 15,000. So that surprised a lot. The, the big question is, is this uh, just a one-off or is it? You know, are we going to see you know, sort of further falls in employment going forward? You know, so the anecdotal evidence says the businesses are still scraping around to be able to find you know, the workers which are around the place. But the latest data shows that employment went backwards. And now we've got that unemployment rate creeping up a little bit. Uh, we look to two decimal points to get you know, so a good indicator about what's happening in terms of the unemployment rate. Up from 3.41 to 3.47 to 3.51. So the stats basically show up from 3.4 to 3.5. But there is you know, something which is happening beneath the surface. So, of course, if we, we do see uh, an improvement in, in ter terms of uh, jobs 
uh, that's going to raise questions about you know, just how strong the economy is at the moment, whether we need you know, further interest rate hikes. But if we get a little bit more softness uh, coming through, the, the Reserve Bank you know, may conclude, let's you know, sort of go to the interest rate sidelines, let's stay on the interest rate sidelines. Uh, and and see what works out basically you know sort of uh, over you know, sort of over the year and it's our expectation that uh, the the next interest rate move much later this year November or December will be a rate cut rather than a rate hike rate cut so meaning that inflation will have been controlled by then would that be right well that's our view that's our view our view is that um what we've got is a lot of people on fixed loans they're uh, rolling those over as we speak and rolling it over from interest rates like two or three percent up to something like five six or seven percent so you know it's a big impact in terms of people's spending uh, power of course interest rates are rising and yes you know, so those people who are borrowing yes you know, so they're having to fork out more and you've got less to be able to spend in terms of the the shopping malls and, and the like. What we are seeing um, at the moment is um, uh, a degree of softening of inflationary pressures around the place as well. The 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 interestingly, yes, I've heard recently that we've got a surplus now worldwide in terms of uh, computer chips or semiconductors, uh, rather than a shortage. And it's just amazing that that transformation and such. A short space of uh, time. So, um, if we get more and more evidence like that, to show that the supply chain issues, not just here domestically but overseas, have been solved, uh, then because uh, clearly there will be no reason for for the Reserve Bank to continue in- increasing interest rates. Slowdown in the economy, improvement in inflationary outlook uh, means that the Reserve Bank can you know, sort of get back to a much more neutral stance in terms of monetary policy. So are you forecasting, well, the economy will slow down, but uh, it will still be chugging along quite well? Yeah, still chugging along quite nicely. Uh, We'll be growing at a a below normal pace. So the normal pace here in Australia is around about 2.3% annual. So uh, our expectation is that we'll be running perhaps, you know, sort of something in the order of 1, 1 1.5%. Still growing. Not enough, though, to create you know, sort of enough jobs, so the unemployment rate drifting a little bit higher. Uh, that'll weigh on consumer spending. That'll slow down inflationary pressures as well. Wages should eventually you know, to get uh, past prices. It's going to take um, a little while longer yes, for, for that to happen, yes, but we're going to be left uh, over the 2023 mostly uh, where wages are falling short of the growth of prices, and that will slow down uh, overall consumer spending as well. So, yeah, inflation is still very much you know, sort of in focus, very much public enemy no, number one. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about the employment figures coming out on Thursday or whether we're looking you know, sort of a little bit further down the track in terms of inflation more, more generally. We do have a fair bit of inflation data coming out from the United States this week. We've got the consumer price index out on Tuesday. We've got the producer price index, which is business inflation, coming out on Thursday. And then the import and export prices are coming out on Friday. So inflation really dominates the agenda in the United States in the coming week, as will earnings season, company earnings season, which is continuing to, to progress. The other things to watch out for, in the United States over the week is um, activity readings, things like retail sales coming out on Wednesday, industrial production coming out on Wednesday as well, and housing starts, the commencement of building for for new homes, that comes out on on Thursday. So 
there is a lot happening. Yes, we'll get China coming back with um, things like the home house price index measure of house prices on Thursday and vehicle sales coming out on Saturday, the, February the 18th. But yeah. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on very much the same sort of question is going to be asked right the way across the globe as we go through this year. Uh, do we have to continue to increase interest rates? Has inflation peaked? And uh, are we uh, confident that we are going to see inflationary pressures ease? So, yeah, the biggie uh, in terms of the overseas the developments in this week is watching the inflation figures. Uh, that'll be big questions as we head into the earnings season here. Um, yes, um, uh, earnings, yes, so, so far in terms of the confessional period in, in Australia, a lot of uh, the companies are reporting you know, sort of fairly good results. So that you know, sort of is uh, quite in, encouraging. You know, sort of, a lot of the retailers have been posting results, even companies like Meyer saying you know, sort of the, they've had a reading from um, uh, the end of July through the end of December. You know, so then the, the, what they've seen is the best five-month period of sales that they, they've ever seen. So it, it, I think that's going to change quite dramatically as we go through 2023. But the, the earnings results that are coming out from uh, Australian companies, I think, is going to show that they're holding up OK. A lot of businesses have been passing on the, the higher cost pressures and higher prices to their consumers. So consumers have had, had to face that. And, of course, the average consumer has absorbed that you know, quite nicely because uh, they've got a job. The job prospects are very, very good. So, in a macro sense, we've still got, you know, sort of a fairly low level of unemployment. You know, so that's been supporting in terms of consumer spending. So, consumers have continued to spend because they've got a job, and businesses, their profitability has continued to be maintained because they've been able to pass on higher costs to consumers. Right. Okay. So that's a lot to look forward to in terms of the earnings season. So we could expect pretty solid earnings ahead of us. Yeah, it's going to be uh, choppy. The energy sector should be a, a standout. Financials, you know, sort of is a little bit more difficult. But um, while the margins may, you know, sort of be starting to creep up a little bit, you know, so higher, we've still got the small matter of when interest rates increase that people, you know, sort of cut their level of demand for, for loans and uh, that imp- has an implication you know, there. The, the material sector, prices have been very, very good. What we've seen from the production results is that, um, uh, companies are producing as much as they can and uh, getting some good prices for it as well. So you'd think the material sector is looking yes, sort of pretty reasonable as well. Consumer discretionary, yes, it has been on the outer, but I think we're going to see some surprise for, from the retailers. Uh, if current guidance you know, sort of holds, it's not going to be uniform right the way across the, the board. Kogan has been caught with you know, sort of higher inventories. A number of uh, retailers have been caught yes, with the fact of higher inventories. It's amazing transformation 
Uh, the, we're seeing in, uh, retailers scampering to be able to get enough stock. Now they've got so so much stock uh, that they're having to clear it you know, at, at lower prices. And uh, we've got um, some companies as well, such as uh, online sellers, uh, such as Redbubble, you know, so they've been... Uh, having to you know, sort of spend a little bit more in terms of their promotion, but they haven't been able to get it back in terms of higher revenues. So the costs have gone up in terms of uh, advertising you know, so the goods, and you know, sort of, but um, they're not getting that back in terms of revenue. So uh, there's there's always going to be you know, sort of um, ones uh, some companies up and some companies down. That's always going to be the case. But of course, we are looking for for a general view about you know, so what's going on, and I think what it's the earnings season is going to show that um, Australian companies are holding up okay. Well, Craig, that's all very illuminating and great start for the year. And thank you very much for your time. Not a problem at all, Leon. Thank you very much. Need legal information or legal advice? Today's podcast is brought to you by multi-award winning law firm, McDonald Legal, experts in the area of dispute resolution and commercial and property law. For a free consultation on your legal matter, McDonald Legal can be reached on 03 9070 1107 or by visiting the website www.mcdonaldlegal.com.au. So what's happening in the news? Well, Google is launching an artificial intelligence or AI-powered chatbot called BARD to rival ChatGPT. BARD will be used by a group of testers before being rolled out to the public in the coming weeks, the firm said. BARD is built on Google's existing large language model, Lambda, which one engineer described as being so human-like in its responses that he believed it was sentient. The tech giant also announced new AI tools for its current search engine. AI chatbots are designed to answer questions and find information. ChatGPT is the best-known example. They use what's on the internet as an enormous database of knowledge, although there are concerns that this can also include offensive material and disinformation. And the crisis engulfing the Adani group intensified on Monday as hundreds of members of India's opposition parties took to the streets to press for a probe into allegations by a US short seller against a conglomerate which triggered its market rout. Shares in billionaire Gautam Adani's companies have been in freefall since a January 24th critical report by Hindenburg Research, with group cumulative market losses now topping $110 billion, sparking fears of wider financial contagion. Opposition parties, who last week called for a parliamentary panel to investigate the saga and disrupt the proceedings, have questioned Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi's closeness with Adani. The billionaire and Modi are from the same state, and Adani has repeatedly denied allegations by Modi's opponents that he had benefited from their close ties. Modi's government, too, has denied allegations of favouring Adani. At New Delhi's Jantar Mantar, a Mughal-era observatory that doubles as a protest site for all causes, Protesters held up banners and shouted slogans against Adani. Some broke through barricades, forcing the police to detain them. And the Reserve Bank of Australia on Tuesday pressed ahead with a ninth straight increase to the official interest rate, taking it to 3.35%, and said more rises would be necessary to tame high inflation, despite some families experiencing a painful squeeze on their household budget. After peaking at 7.8% in the December quarter, headline inflation is expected to fall by 4.75% by year's end, but remain well above the RBA's 2-3% target band until at least mid-2025. And Treasurer Jim Chalmers has sought to dampen expectations of handouts in the coming budget in May amid signs of a return to surplus, and says the cost of living measures must not further exacerbate inflation and interest rates. Speaking to the annual conference of the Chifley Research Centre in Canberra, the Treasurer noted how in his first budget delivered in October last year, the unexpected revenue burst was banked instead of spent. If we sprayed around the same amount of that upsurge as our predecessors did, that would have added to inflation, he said. Consequently, the government rejected calls for direct assistance to households of welfare benefit increases and instead funneled money into measures such as cheaper childcare, with revenues continuing 
to recover rapidly thanks to rising commodity prices, raising expectations that the May 10th budget will deliver a surplus, Dr Chalmers warned that a similar discipline of restraint must, must apply. He said he respected the independence of the central bank. You don't want to get our goals in conflict with the RBA's goals. And federal ministers have been told not to bother proposing new spending in the budget unless the idea is accompanied by offsets and has been declared a policy priority by the Prime Minister as the government seeks to minimise pressure on interest rates, signalling a return to the pre-pandemic budget discipline of paying for all new spending. Treasurer Jim Chalmers and Anthony Albanese reinforced on Monday that while inflation was expected to abate over the year, it will not do so quickly. The current inflation rate of 7.8% is obviously unacceptably high and puts a lot of pressure on families and others in our community, but we expect that inflation is starting to moderate, Dr Chalmers told Parliament. It will stay higher than we'd like for longer than we'd like. That is the truth of it. Interest rate rises are an inevitable consequence. Mr Albanese said spending restraint must be a hallmark of the May 10 budget, as it was at the October budget, especially as about 20% of all housing loans would roll off fixed rates this year to much higher variable rates. And banks will be required to produce thousands of documents to prove they're not ripping off savers on deposit rates amid criticism that earnings on term deposits have not kept pace with increases in the cash rate. The Australian Competition Consumer Commission is preparing to examine deposit rates after Treasurer Jim Chalmers flags he wants a watchdog to ensure banks are treating their customers fairly when it comes to savings accounts. ACCC Chairman Gina Cascotlieb said that investigation into how quickly banks responded to cash rate rises was one of the top priorities for 2023, given the cost of living pressures faced by retirees and the elderly. Banking observers say the probe could lead to little changes. And some 80% of Australia's large organisations have upped their cyber security spend in 2022, a significant jump on prior years, amid a rise in high-profile data breaches affecting the likes of Optus and Medibank and their millions of customers. That is up from 63% a year earlier, while 41% of smaller businesses are doing the same. The growing number of major data breaches over the past 12 months has led to a corresponding jump in cyber security budgets, according to research from global cybersecurity group Netscope which found that the headline-grabbing data loss incidents have sparked C-suite executives, particularly of larger organisations, into action. When asked how the breaches have influenced awareness among their organisation's leadership, more than three-quarters, or 77% of respondents, said their leadership's awareness of cyber threats had increased, and 70% were also seeing an increase in leadership's willingness to invest in cyber security. Have the anticipated surge in high-spending Chinese tourists to Australia and other pre-pandemic holidays hotspots has failed to materialise since the country's borders reopened after three years of lockdowns. Chinese travellers have started arriving since borders reopened almost a month ago, but the numbers are a trickle rather than a tsunami. Analysts predicted a surge of revenge spending by the world's largest source of pre-pandemic tourism revenue when leisure travel resumed on January the 8th. They said China's middle classes, frustrated after being stuck at home for months on end under President Xi Jinping's draconian COVID-19 restrictions, would be desperate to hop on planes and spend like crazy. Instead, most Chinese travellers are playing it safe. Delays, getting visas and passports and eye-watering airfares mean many are biding their time before booking holidays further afield again. China's crippling lockdowns and restrictions have also shattered consumer confidence in the world's second largest economy. An NAB Consumer Sentiment Survey showed 4 in 10 Australians have cut back or stopped buying coffees or lunches, car trips to save petrol and entertainment. Consumers remain less prepared to cut back on private school fees. They'll choose children's activities on pets, home services, e.g. house cleaning, insurances and gym and sports or club memberships. And Commonwealth Bank has written to its business customers 
advising them of plans to start limiting access to cheque. For any business accounts opened after June 3, cheques will not be available. And the Australian gold sector would be dominated by a single company that controls the nation's biggest mines if a Newcrest mining board accepts a 24.45 billion takeover bid from US company Newmont. Five-year frenzy of dealmaking at the big end of the global gold sector stepped up a gear at the weekend when the world's biggest gold miner by market capitalisation, Newmont, pitched its offer to acquire the biggest gold miner on the ASX, Newcrest. Newcrest has repeatedly been in the crosshairs of North America's biggest gold miners over the past five years. But Newcrest chairman Peter Tomset, who's taken on additional duties since CEO Sandeep Biswas left in December, did not dismiss the improved bid lobbed by Newmont's Australian board president Tom Palmer on Sunday, saying it was worthy of consideration. Mr Palmer said the merged entity would be 30% owned by Newcrest shareholders if they accepted the deal. And Star Entertainment will fight a third class action in the Victorian Supreme Court with solicitors from Fee Finney MacDonald filing a claim on behalf of shareholders against casino giant. It follows class action firms Slatter and Gordon and Morrison Blackburn, which filed separate yet similar class actions last year to allege the company misled the market, breached continuous obligation laws and wiped billions of dollars from the company's value. Fear Finney McDonald's claims are similar, relating to representations made by the company between March 29 and June 13, 2016, that the firm alleges were misleading or deceptive. The claim alleges that during that period, the star made misleading representations, including about the systems and processes for compliance with anti-money laundering and counter-terrorism financing obligation. The claims also state staff failed to disclose relevant information it has about those matters to the market and conducted its affairs contrary to the interests of the members of STAR as a whole. STAR said in a statement to the ASX it intends to defend the proceedings. An ANZ bank is shelling out $50 million for a minority stake in Anthony Catalano-led real estate listing business VIEW Media Group or VMG, as a lender eyes off the potential to sell more home loans digitally. In the latest sign, banks are betting more borrowers will take out more loans through digital channels. ANZ on Monday announced the investment, saying it would take a seat on the board of VMG and plan to establish an exclusive financial services partnership. VMG, which launched last year, is backed by former Domain Chief Executive Catalano and Thorny Investment Group Executive Alex Weislitz. The business says it's aiming to disrupt the real estate transaction market by building the digital real estate superstore of the future. VMG, which also counts Seven West Media as an investor, has a real estate listing business, a property technology business for real estate agents, and an online utilities service. The $50 million investment comes as ANZ has set its sights on expanding its footprint in mortgages as a key strategic goal, and it is also responding to the strong growth in online banking, including in the home loan sector. ANZ said the investment supported its strategy of establishing services that make it easier to buy, own or rent property, and it was open to working with businesses such as real estate agents or utility operators. Home loans, a crucial market for the nation's banks, are the most obvious banking product that can be sold or promoted via a property listing platform domain. And three major cities will be hit with plunging property prices in 2023 as higher interest rates bite. PropTrack's biannual property market value report, released on Tuesday, shows Sydney, Brisbane and Canberra home values will plummet to 8 to 11% this year, following an overall 2.3% decline in 2022. Melbourne and Hobart fare a little better. They're only predicted to fall 7 to 10% in the same period, while Adelaide, Darwin and Perth hold up the best with falls only 3 and 8% predicted. And Australia's wine exports to China have plunged to just 12.4 million annually, compared with 1.3 billion before Beijing imposed punishing tariffs in late 2020. Australian wine exports fell 4% to 1.94 billion last year, industry body wine Australia said on Tuesday. Exports to the UK, the second biggest market, suffered a substantial 18% fall to $373 million. 
Demand slowed for new UK supermarkets and liquor retailers as restaurants, bars and pubs did a roaring trade as people went out again with gusto as the COVID-19 pandemic started to fade. Export to the US fell 3% to $390 million. China was the most lucrative market for Australian exports before Chinese President Xi Jinping in late 2020 slapped tariffs of 176% on the biggest Australian wine exporters. The tariffs ranged between 116% to 218%. And legal proceedings have commenced against Australia's biggest health insurer, Medibank, as customers seek compensation for the most invasive data breach in the country's history. The documents, which were not available to media, were lodged late on Monday night in a class action brought by Omni Bridgeway and Baker McKenzie against Medibank. Medibank issued a statement saying it would defend the proceedings after being contacted for comment by the Australian Financial Review, but it did not issue anything to the Australian Securities Exchange on Tuesday during market hours. A separate claim is being investigated by Morris Blackburn, Bannister Law at Class Action and Centennial Lawyers, which will take place after the Office of the Australian Information Commission completes its investigation. In October last year, Medibank First said it had detected unusual activity on its network and that it had shut down systems in response. Over the course of several weeks, the scale of the disaster became clear and Medibank was finally forced to admit that the hackers had stolen more than 9 million current and former members' personal data and 470,000 of their health claims or information. The hackers, believed to be operating in Russia, released sensitive information online after failing in their attempts to extort a ransom from Medibank. The breach, which followed an attack on Optus's 9.7 million customers, has triggered boards to review their cyber security as the government also weighs strengthening privacy laws. And it's the profit reporting season. Argo Investments has reported a 6.2% increase in its in interim profit to $137 million for the half-year December 31. Dexas convenience retailer REIT reported a 92.2% slump in statutory net profit after tax to $3.1 million for the half-year into December 31. Dexas industrial net profit dived to $1.4 million in the six months of December to $113.7 million in the prior period. Furniture retailer Nick Scalia reported a 70% increase in net profit after tax for $60.6 million for the half-year December 31. ARB Corporation reported a 5.1% decline in unaltered sales revenue to $340.9 million for the first half of the 2023 financial year. Transurban delivered a net group profit of $55 million. Macquarie Group's Banking and Financial Services Division grew deposits by 8% to $125.7 billion during the December quarter. Its home loan portfolio of $105.4 billion increased 4% on 30th of September 2022, while funds on platform of $117 billion increased 5%, and its business banking loans grew by a slower 2% to $12.5 billion, and car loans were down 10% to $6.6 billion. Helios revenue declined 33.6% to $889.3 million in the first half, while EBITDA fell 64.4% to $182 million. Online luxury retailer Setire reported gross revenue jumped 57% to $242.7 million in the December half year. Boral net profit soared 53% to $56.8 million in the six months of December. Suncor net profit jumped 44.3% to $560 million, taking earnings 63% higher to $588 million. DBWP Trust net profit plunged 68% to $111.3 million in the six months of December. And Amcor net sales rose 6% to US $7.4 billion, or Aussie $10.6 billion, for the six months at the end of December. GAPP net income surged 62% to US $691 million, or $994 million Aussie. And that's it for next week. And next week, I'll be talking to Scott Agnew, the CEO and operating partner of Keller Williams Realty in Utah, and KPMG economist Sarah Hunter about the RBA raising interest rates again and its implications for the economy. This show was brought to you by multi-award-winning law firm McDonald Legal, 
experts in the area of dispute resolution, commercial and property law. For a free consultation on your legal matter, McDonald Legal can be reached on 03-9070-1107 or by visiting the website www.mcdonaldlegal.com.au. In the meantime, you can catch me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube. And if you want, leave a comment. For the most exclusive access to leading economists and business leaders from around the world, subscribe to Talking Business on the Apple Podcast Store or on my website, leongetler.com. Wishing you all a safe and healthy week. And looking forward to bringing you Talking Business next week. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.